0: Welcome to this Euractive Debate on the EU Agenda for Global forests, Getting the Balance Right. I'm Brian McGuire, and our event today is supported by Costerol, uh, Fideol, and FIFAX. Thanks uh, to our supporters f- uh, for this. You can follow the debate at uh, hashtag EA Debates, and please tweet your comments using the hashtag. Our social media team uh, will respond. And to ask questions, go to the chat section and use the Ask button. I will come to the questions a little bit later on as well. So uh, please use your name and or your organization If you're willing to do that as well, we can direct the questions accordingly. The EU engagement in negotiating forest partnerships for the period 2022 to 2027 is expected to deliver on the European Green Deal priorities, as well as the EU's development cooperation objectives, including poverty alleviation and human rights. In its resolution to the European Green Deal, uh, the European Parliament called for a European legal framework based on due diligence to ensure sustainable and deforestation-free supply. Cleaning off supply chains will remain a key priority for the EU, but industry argues that the process should build on existing actions and rely on a smart mix of different measures, which requires the establishment of solid partnerships and mutual understanding with producing countries. In just a few minutes, we'll be joined by the European Commissioner for Environment, Oceans and Fisheries, Virginia Sincovicius. He's currently across the street in Council uh, with AgriFish. But now, let's meet our panel uh, to discuss uh, these issues. We have with us uh, today uh, Samira Raffaella, uh, who is still connecting, but she'll be with us in just a second. Uh, Samira is a member of the European Parliament, a member of the Inter-Committee in the European Parliament. Carla Montesi is Director of the Green Deal uh, Digital Agenda at the European Commission. Great to see you, Carla. And Hertha van der Beel, he's a senior policy advisor at Solidaridad Europe. And also joining us today is Marta Zuluaga Zilberman. She's the vice president of government relations Europe, Middle East and Africa at Cargill. And also chair of the Environment and Sustainability Working Group at Fediol. Uh, great to see you all with us today. Uh, Samir will join us in just a second. And in the meantime, I ask you just for your opening statement. short 60 seconds, two minutes maximum. Uh, Carla, you want to kick off? You're on mute for the moment.
1: I am mute, so sorry. I can hear you
0: now perfectly. There we go. We can hear you now. Off you go.
1: Many, many thanks. And uh, allow me to say that, uh, uh, yes, of course, forest. it's uh, an important issue for us, and uh, what we want to propose is really to build on uh, foresting partnership. Uh, we really think that forest is a global issue. Deforestation has many facets. Uh, fighting deforestation requires a global, integrated response and uh, taking into account really local needs and the specificity. So, the issue that we need to face, as you have just mentioned. Is how we can meet global needs and reduce deforestation worldwide, while supporting partner countries' development objective and respecting countries' sovereignty. Over to you. Nice.
0: Thank you. Excellent.
2: heard uh, uh, over to you. 60 seconds or so. Okay. Thank you. Well, good afternoon. My name is uh, Gert Van der Bijl. I'm international policy advisor at Solidaridad. Um, I first want to say that we absolutely welcome the European Commission's legislative proposals on deforestation. We have been active as in voluntary measures for decades. Um, And we think that more is needed than only voluntary measures to really make uh, uh, the global agriculture sustainable. And I think two things are needed to be added. First is partnership agreements with um, the seven, eight um, most important uh, producing countries involving the main stakeholders. there, like producers as well uh, to really make sure that uh, the measures that European is taking to make its uh, supply chains clean will also gr- have impact beyond the supply chains. Um, and these partnerships can also be a condition for trade agreement with these countries. Second point we want to uh, uh, stress is that it's important to make sure that smallholders are actually profiting from the the measures and not excluded in cocoa, coffee, rubber, but also in palm oil, smallholders produce an important part of the commodities worldwide. Uh, And they should be supported with uh, technical support, access to finance, land titles, and also carbon credits to make sure that they are really stimulated to produce without deforestation. And if we combine that, legislative measures with partnership agreements and smaller uh, support, we can make sure that we both clean up our supply chains, but also actually reduce global deforestation. Thank you.
0: There, there, Marta, Samira's a little upside down. We'll go correct that in just a second. Marta, 60 seconds.
3: Right, I'll be more than two minutes, but I'll make sure that I won't go beyond, <laughs> if I may. I think, um, no, but thank you very much for the invitation. And, and, and indeed, I mean, as Gert said, and, and Carla as well, I mean, we do acknowledge as industry that the loss of uh, forest and natural habitat is a uh, is a very serious issue and concern to us all. And, and of course, this is why we're also very supportive of the EU action and the strategy that is going to come up in order to combat deforestation. I think as an industry, I mean, our industry has been involved for more than a, a decade um, on actions to, to protect forests. And, and today there is a comprehensive set of measures, or let's say your tools that are available, including monitoring, including traceability, also with new technologies such as satellites. Uh, imagery or or remote sensing, which are widely and voluntarily used by companies on the ground to really um, assess and identify, assess and and manage the risk. Um, Many of our companies as well in our sectors have taken, uh, you know, commitments and also they have internal policies and goals to end deforestation in their supply chains and they're working on a daily basis really with farmers on the ground to try and impact that change and, and, and make better practices. Um, but is this sufficient? I mean, certainly not. And this is exactly what we hear today. This is exactly what we need: more action than just the voluntary action that has been going on uh, to date. And, and that is why we are supportive as well of a new legislation that is going to help scale up and, and really um, enhance and accelerate a sustainable transformation in agriculture commodity supply chains. I think maybe to the point that that Herr mentioned earlier. I think factors that drive deforestation may. Be Linked to agricultural commodities um, in, in many cases, but I think there are very complex socio-economical reasons as well behind. And so, finding a way of helping to address these underlying factors that are that are there is is really essential. And this is one when looking at at an EU legislation or with the signing EU legislation. I mean, I think there should be a combination of um, demand side and also supply chain supply side measures, including voluntary actions and and mandatory actions, and involving of of course, producer countries as well as EU actors in the in the in the market. Um, this would help both reduce our impact as as um, as EU consumers on on deforestation, but also ultimately help solve the the problem of, of how we stop deforestation worldwide, which should be the end goal. Thank you,
0: Arthur. Thank you. As uh, we're still trying to get uh, Samira back, uh, her iPad needs to flip around the other way and has to reconnect. In the meantime. Uh, Carla, just in, in broad terms, in terms of let's put this in the context of the Green Deal and how this all moves forward as well. The smart mix uh, that's necessary to clean up our supply chains—what does that look like in real terms?
1: What uh, we have just listened, listen. There will be a, a mix of intervention between the, the voluntary and the mandatory approach. Um, not focusing on the legislation because. Uh, As you know very well, legislation, this EU diligence uh, is something that is under preparation. Our commissioner will say something in a moment. So I will let our colleagues from the environment to to come more on this due diligence uh, part. But it's clearly our action will be a mix between the due diligence as mandatory step and a mix of voluntary approach and also a mix of support of that. That we want to have with our partner countries. We, we, allow me to say that we will propose two main axes of, of intervention. Uh, first, we really consider that we must raise the profile and the value of the forest. Uh, for example, question related to human rights linked to forest explota- exploitation could be tackled as clearly as a part of the our political dialogue between a partner countries and the European Union. So first, really raise the profile, deepen our dialogue uh, with the partner countries. Um, we, second, we really need to address forests in a holistic and integrated approach uh, in order to. Cover this protection of the multifunctionalities of forests. forest. Uh, this will also, you mentioned the link with the Green Deal, this will enable us to deal with a climate and the biodiversity perspective, but also to the sustainable, uh, sustainable exploitation of, of this forest, also in a context of a bio and the circular economy. Uh, linked to the Green Deal, uh, of course, uh, um, I will say the second action. Uh, the second step of action that we would like to lead is uh, uh, clearly taking into account the agriculture. You know that the European Union is uh, traditionally the main donor in uh, agriculture. We are spending around 1.2 billion euro per year in partner countries. Now we really need to promote Sustainable value chain, and in particular in the agricultural sector, that, as you know, uh, would drives the bulk of deforestation. Uh, we are clearly said in our communication on 2019 that uh, we. Uh, we said that we, in fact, we take a strong commitment that any European Union support will not lead to deforestation. So this implied that also in all our work on the agriculture, we need to mainstreaming deforestation. And we are doing this into our methodology on value chain for development. So I, I, I stop here, but just here to demonstrate the link um, that we have and our holistic, integrated approach, taking into account also the impact that we we'll have on climate change and uh, on our work uh, to support the agricultural sector.
0: Thank you. Her, do you have confidence that uh, any voluntary action will produce fruit or do you, do you think it's necessary to regulate all the way down the supply chain here? Uh, is a smart mix a nice phrase but uh, hides s- some
2: other outcome? Well I think everyone now agrees that we need a smart mix uh, and I think everyone agrees we need this mix but the question is what is really smart um, and well we have been involved in voluntary measures for decades starting with fair trade uh, coffee in the 80s uh, and, and work uh, in, in a lot of commodities and working on voluntary measures has had impact but we need more and, and Uh, only voluntary measures will not lead to the kind of impact that we need to really um, promote uh, social development and reduce deforestation to the level that we need. Um, And uh, I think it is important also to realize that there is an urgency. Uh, We have had many uh, commitments from a large number of companies and it's difficult to find a company that really met its uh, 2020 zero deforestation commitment. So I think it is necessary to combine voluntary measures with strict uh, uh, government, government legislation. Um, but also we need to realize that we actually cannot do without government regulation because only government uh, or only uh, company measures and only voluntary measures will not bring us where we need to uh, be. And I I would also hope that we can speed up the process and come up with concrete measures before uh, the climate cop so that uh, also at the climate cop we can uh, show what Europe and and also the private sector of Europe uh, together are going to do and really make this part of a worldwide agreement to reduce deforestation and to uh, reduce the emission of uh, climate gas. Okay.
0: Thank you. Marta, who matters more on this equation? Is it the government side or is it the large uh, purchaser? For example, if you uh, and any large organization, Coca-Cola for example, decides that they want to change their procurement process to exclude anything which uh, affects uh, deforestation and, and clean up that supply chain, you know, every, every element of, the, of their production process moves in line with that. Government can never really do that and certainly can't do it in a hurry. So you know, for you, who matters more, the initiative of the private sector or the, the regulation from the public sector?
3: Thanks for the question. No, I think it comes a bit of both, right? So the answer is like there's not one silver bullet, there's not one silver one one unique policy from governments or actions from companies that would allow that. I mean, and that's why again we go back to the smart mix of measures. So what do we mean by that? I think First and foremost, I mean, we've been discussing and we've heard about due diligence, right? So mandatory due diligence, having that at the European Union level, and think I mean, our industry is uh, is embracing that, and I think it can it can bring I mean, uh, go a long way to increase both the transparency, I think, accountability for companies in better understanding the risk in the supply chains, and also have actions to mitigate those risks and report on that, right? And and increasing the level playing field amongst all the companies. Um, in Europe and elsewhere, and I think then it comes. So that is a government intervention, I think, but it needs to go hand in hand with continue those partnerships and and really looking again and what is the the the, the core of the problem? I mean, what are the underlying factors? That, like poverty or land tenure, capacity building, uh, need for more financial incentives that really would promote that change at the scale. Because a company can maybe leave um, you know a region or a country or or an area um, and not source from there, but that really won't help solve the problem. Them, um uh, at the end so that's what we need
0: to work together right, and ter- when we talk about due diligence we have Samira back actually Samira can you hear us now
4: well
0: good. okay afternoon. let's unmute as well there we go okay you should be good now Samira can you hear um, us now good, good yes afternoon. I can hear you, can you hear yes right. let's uh you can make your opening remarks now it'd be great to have you
4: all right. Thank you so much, and uh, I apologize for the inconvenience. But this is the, you know, the new world that we are living in and working in, and uh, hopefully it will get a bit, bit normal soon. Um, so uh, first of all, thank you to uh, to you and to your active for um, inviting me uh, to this conference. It's a very important topic uh, that I definitely work on uh, in the European Parliament. So. Um, deforestation is a very pressing issue worldwide, uh, which the EU and the, and the world need to address. I believe uh, the European Parliament Parliament is actively engaging with policy to contribute to reversing deforestation worldwide, um, and within the international trade, uh, climate change and deforestation are becoming more important in our bilateral. Uh, relations as well as multilateral efforts, Uh, for example through the biodiversity strategy and green green initiatives uh, within the World Trade Organization. And for me a key pillar of trade policy's contribution to deforestation efforts will be the upcoming mandatory due diligence legislation. So through effective due diligence legislation, responsibility for actions in the supply chain of logging can be monitored and in in addition where Violence uh, violations occur, uh, the EU has tools to address these issues. So every link in the chain from producer to consumer has a role to uh, in chain responsibility in addressing, viol- addressing violations. And that should be our common goal uh, to address deforestation uh, worldwide effectively. Additionally, EU free trade agreements have the potential to contribute to tackling deforestation So with ambitious trade agreements, the EU can stimulate sustainable development, combat deforestation and also make sure that countries respect the international standards. Trade policy is one of the EU's most powerful tools, I believe, uh, to make sure that our international partners respect the standards on sustainability, on climate. Um, And this, of course, needs to go hand in hand with enforcement of the agreed upon standards so there is not one answer to tackling deforestation it's a mix of policy as well as companies and citizens uh, who want to contribute to tackling climate change. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Samir, I want to stay with you just now because I know you, you have to leave at about 5.30 so uh, let's let's talk about the due diligence element and how uh, the parliament may see this as well. You know, we've had very various forms of greenwashing at different stages as, uh, so how do we avoid uh, a kind of greenwashing in the system when it comes to deforestation as well. How, how can the regulation, how can the due diligence process uh, be toughened up to make sure uh, that uh, there's sufficient transparency there, that the speed of action is robust enough as well? You know, from your perspective, from Parliament's perspective, uh, how do you uh, envisage this happening?
4: I believe that's why the the aspect of mandatory is very important. So first of all, we need to work with mandatory due diligence because otherwise I think it's very hard um, to enforce. So if you want to enforce, you need to make sure that uh, you can you can uh, well, you can tell the international partners to respect the international standards. And I think it's very important also, to work with companies very well and when we speak about due diligence you need to make sure that we talk about the whole supply chain because otherwise it will be very hard to tackle the problem as a whole. Um, so that that would be my main important uh, thing. You need to make it mandatory otherwise you cannot enforce it and you need to make sure that the standards and the criteria are very clear um, so, so that there is no... Um, so that so so this is not unclear, so it's very clear where we go to and what we can force.
0: In terms of the Mercosur agreement as well, is this robust enough? Do we have the right instruments there? Uh, should it be tougher when it comes to deforestation? Well,
4: it is a very yes, it's a very um, worrisome um, element, of course, uh, that that I think is there when it comes to uh, the Mercosur agreement. I do believe that we need to find a look, uh, we need to find a way forward uh, to go through with Mercosur because I don't do think it can set an example of how we can use trade agreements to make sure that it works for the climate um, and that it respects sustainability, but. Um, I, I do think that things need to be better and and more more so so we need more strength when it comes to the trade and sustain, sustainability chapters in the Mercosur agreement, um, and this is exactly an example of where we can make these standards and these criteria very clear, um, and that we also need to work at the same time on a clear toolbox of enforcement mechanisms. So. I think Mercosur is a really good example of why mandatory due diligence is necessary, but also why we still need to work here in the EU on an assertive toolbox so that we can enforce such standards.
0: Thank you. Uh, Marta, greenwashing and due diligence as well, how do we uh, make this this system, the process, sufficiently transparent uh, so that we can uh, avoid the risk of greenwashing? Marta.
3: No, I think, I mean, on that question, I would agree totally with Samira. I think it's more a matter of how to make it a balance, um, you know, a balanced system, right? That is clear that where we're working with agreed guidelines and agreed definitions at international level that we're looking into, not re- not reinventing the wheel, but rather what is already there that we can build on, for instance, OECD guidelines or or other, um, and, and really make sure that it is applied to every single operator in the supply chain so that we are all clear, again, about what are the, the you know the rules, the roles, and the responsibilities of each other, and then we can all work in, in collaboration.
0: Thank you. The rules, the roles, and responsibilities. Sorry about so far. Hert, uh, uh, you, you you talk about the small suppliers in this chain as well, and it's easy to overlook uh, their voice because uh, they may be disparate and uh, the, the the volume is not so large. But so how can the the rights of small producers? Uh, be protected, and how can they be incentivized to play a stronger role in protecting uh, our planet from deforestation?
2: Well, first of all, I think it's important to realize that the role of small producers in a lot of uh, supply chains where deforestation is an issue is large, uh, in, in uh, cocoa, coffee uh, or rubber, uh, around 80% of our production comes from smallholders in in uh, palm oil around 40% so making sure that uh, measures are inclusive is not only an issue of uh, of social equity but also about uh, being effective if we really want to reduce deforestation we should engage smallholders and we should address uh, what is the uh, root cause behind it which is often poverty. So, and that also means uh, that measures uh, reducing deforestation should also be integrated uh, in, in due diligence measures. Um, and and that it's also about who has the power and and what uh, level of payments are there. And and there is a role both for companies and governments there. If uh, we do not really address uh, the income situation in cocoa, in coffee or in palm oil we will not be effective in reducing deforestation. So it's not only about saying to farmers, thou shall not deforest, it's also about working with them on improvement of the income situation and that's certainly the case for smallholders. How do you
0: achieve that without some form of subsidy? Because the, the market is not going to bear the cost of uh, increased cocoa price, for example, especially in, in uh, a difficult season. You know, how, how can that market be adapted to ensure that there's compliance with uh, a no
2: uh, deforestation
0: approach? Heard?
2: Well, that, that will requ- re- require market interventions. And, and in cocoa there are discussions about uh, a living income differential and, and there is a role, both for the private sector, for the European government and for local governments together to, to ensure uh, that prices are being paid at s- such a level that farmers can uh, earn an income um, and, and only markets will not solve that. That will require a good cooperation between uh, companies, governments uh, um, but also uh, with uh, civil society organizations and uh, NGOs like Solidaridad uh, and many others that are working in cocoa but also with smallholders uh, uh, in in palm oil for instance Uh, and and what we see also in palm oil in uh, uh, countries like Indonesia and Malaysia that it is possible to combine uh, Uh, economic progress, reducing uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions by less uh, deforestation um, uh, and a future for smallholders. So it is possible but that does require uh, good cooperation and intervention and working with smallholders on the ground.
0: Thank you. Uh, Commissioner is just uh, connecting at the moment. Uh, Samir, just the last question before you run off. Um, So you've heard uh,
4: last point because yes, I unfortunately need to leave so on that so just to add I think that we should also not underestimate the the movement of consumers uh, that are everyday demanding more when it comes to these kind of standards so, you, so the companies will also face a movement of consumers that are asking for transparency that are asking for transparency when it comes to how products are being made and whether that that was with respect for uh, labor conditions, for, its, for example. And I also don't think that we should underestimate uh, a movement that exists of companies that is already working hard themselves on, um, on this and on due diligence. So I expect also that it will be influenced uh, throughout the years um, by, by, move- by movement of, of consumers and companies already uh, trying to, to do their best to improve these kind of standards.
0: MEP, thank you so much for joining us. And now we we'll switch over uh, to uh, Commissioner Virginia Sinkovicius, uh, who's been liberated uh, by council and uh, has joined us. Good to see you again, sir. Okay, I can't... Just check your microphones on there, yeah? Okay. Yeah, we're good. Perfect. Okay. Flores yours. Good to see you. The floor is all yours, sir. Yeah.
5: Thank you very much. Um, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, of course, thank you for this invitation. And and uh, speaking about the topic, you know, expectations are very high when it comes to to to, to deforestation. It's 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 high on the political agenda. It's it's very high. On the commission's agenda, it's an important matter for EU companies, NGOs, and of course citizens. And it's a key topic for everyone on the ground in uh, the producing countries. And that's why we are so determined. Uh, It's one of those files where everything comes together. Climate and biodiversity, social stability and security, human rights, health and, and livelihoods. And that is really important when one consider that there are about 1.6 billion people around the globe whose livelihood depend on, on, on forests. For all these reasons, tackling deforestation is an important element in European Green Deal. And of course, we know now the issue is even more pressing in the aftermath of COVID-19. And what we have learned about the cause of pandemics, there is good scientific evidence to show that clearing forests and and, and converting them to cropland increases the likelihood of new diseases emerging as a result of the multiplying contacts between humans and wildlife. It would be wonderful if we had an easy answer. But deforestation and forest degradation are very complex. We can have overall objectives like protecting existing forests, especially primary forests, and significantly increasing sustainable biodiverse forest cover worldwide. But the solutions need to be specific, not only to each country, but to each region as well. Of course, we are not starting from a scratch. The EU has a strong track record here, especially when it comes to supporting partner countries with their forest-related objectives. Between 2014 and 2020, the EU invested more than 650 million euros to support forest-related programs in partner countries. Under our action plan uh, for forest uh, law enforcement, governance and trade, we have worked with over 20 countries, strengthening legality across the forest sector, putting in place sectoral reforms and building capacity in the private sector. To give you a bit of history, the EU has been using soft and regulatory approaches to deal with deforestation and forest degradation for nearly two decades now since its first action plan back in 2003 there are two central elements to our approach we have the eu timber regulation which prohibits the placing of legal illegal timber on the internal market and requires eu operators to exercise due diligence and we have the FLECT regulation which steps sets up a, a, a licensing scheme for timber imports and voluntary partnership agreements between the eu and timber producing countries. So in the past, the main focus was on illegal logging and the associated trade. But those activities are no longer the main drivers of deforestation. Almost 80% of global deforestation is now linked to agriculture and the raising demand for food, feed and other commodities. As a major economy and a major consumer of those commodities, the EU recognizes its responsibility. We want to be sure that, for instance, the soy, Palm oil, cattle, and wood sold on the EU market are not contributing to deforestation in producer countries. We must and want to be part of the solution. So, our goal is to contribute to halting deforestation and forest degradation and promoting supply chains that are sustainable and deforestation free. Of course, major question here what this is, what this what this will mean in, in in practice on the ground, and 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 as you know, we are working on a legislative proposal. We are building on past experiences and the lessons learned from existing legislation. Uh, we are also conducting a study on the role and impact of private certification schemes and the contributions they could make to additional uh, measures. Part of that process is an evaluation of the effectiveness of existing legislation, a fitness check of both the EU timber regulation and the FLEX regulation with its voluntary partnership agreements. For the EU timber regulation, a mixed picture is emerging. It has been an incentive for operators to focus on keeping their supply chains clean, but the structure and the wording of the legislation has made it difficult to use in practice. So competent, uh, competent authorities I found it hard to prove due diligence, compliance failures in courts of law. In that area, there is definitely room for improvement. Under the FLAT regulation, the voluntary partnership agreements, the so called VPAs, have clearly proved their use in improving stakeholder participation, better forest governance, and regulatory reforms in some partner countries, but their actual impact on illegal logging and associated trade has been more limited, so we haven't found much evidence that these agreements have helped reduce illegal logging or the consumption of illegally harvested wood here in Europe. A lot of the problem is simply one off-scale. The first VPA was concluded with Ghana more than a decade ago, but today when we have 15 different VPAs, at various stages of of, of completion, there is only one operating licensing system in place in Indonesia. That means that despite our best efforts, these agreements cover only a very small part of the overall volume of trade. So the total effect on illegal timber is therefore extremely limited. So these conclusions together with the feedback from extensive public consultations, input from the European parliament and, and studies we have carried out are quite clear. The current system of due diligence needs to be improved and enhanced, but that alone will not be enough. Any new legislation will need to be uh, complemented by alternative support mechanisms, which help partner countries comply with the requirements. So these mechanisms need to be tailored to specific needs and the specific interests of each partner country. And and they should retain the elements that have proved effective while others, like licensing, in a trade agreement, should be abandoned, and, and better information will also be key. And with that in mind, we are also creating an EU observatory. It will facilitate information exchange on global deforestation, combining trade data with Earth observation. So, this leads to a question where are we now? So, how do things stand today? At the moment, we are finalizing the impact assessment. That means wagging up uh, the options uh, that will increase transparency in supply chains, minimize the risk and, and that products associated with deforestation and forest degradation end up on the EU market. We need to be certain that all options comply with our obligations under the World Trade Organization rules, and that there is no discrimination towards certain commodities. We started with a long list of 20 options Now we are down to a few ones such as improved due diligence requirements, country benchmarking, mandatory public certification, mandatory labeling, or a deforestation-free requirement. And we also have a preliminary list of products. The main criteria for choosing them is the overall impacts of production and harvesting on forests and their level of consumption in the EU. So that list includes for now palm oil, cattle, soy, wood, cocoa, and coffee. And as I noted at the outset, we are talking about a global phenomenon. If the EU acts alone, the overall picture will change very little. Uh, We need to work with producer and consumer countries. But it's also vital to engage with business and industry. They are best placed to identify the pressure points, and they are the ones who need to take consistent action for best results. And of course, we continue to engage with partners, including in the context of our trade policy, both bilaterally and in multilateral forums. As part of this broad process of engagement, we have set up multi-stakeholder platform uh, on deforestation. All the major players are involved and they bring enormous expertise. We have representatives from consumer and, and, and producer countries, civil society organizations, and Businesses Industry Association, and it's a platform for exchange, for building alliances. And, of course, uh, for sharing the sort of commitments that will help us hold deforestation. We are learning a lot. And, of course, it is helping us get the messages across. So, finalizing, we have come a long way since the first commission proposal in its 2019 communication. Under the Green Deal, we are advancing steadily and we are advancing with care. We have no choice, but of course, to get it right. And for that to happen, we need to listen to the views from all sides. So, of course, I'm very much uh, looking forward uh, for this exchange. Uh, But let me finish here. Thank you very much uh, for your attention.
0: Commissioner, thanks so much, and thanks so much for uh, taking the time to reorganise your schedule to uh, to meet with us uh, after the change of plans at the council today. Uh, great overview from the commissioner there, and uh, let's follow up on some of the, the points uh, that the commissioner has just raised. Heard, you know, the level of consumption in the EU was a focal point, which the commissioner mentioned as well. So that seems like a good starting point. Your high level of consumption goods, uh, we should be able to have a, a reasonable impact by focusing in those areas. But how do we deal? How do we build the bridges with the producers and the producers? countries, as the Commissioner said as well. hurt
2: Well, I'm, I'm glad that the Commissioner uh, also uh, highlighted some of the first conclusions of the impact analysis. And and one of the things that st- uh, did strike me was um, let's say the concerns about the, F- uh, the way voluntary partnership agreements worked so far. And I think it's important to realize that if they have not been effective so far, we should uh, shape them in a different way, but not say that uh, partnership agreements as such will not work because there is no alternative. I think the only way we can reach impact is to work with producers on the ground and to work with local governments to make sure that what we do here in Europe in uh, cleaning our supply chain is really reaching uh, effect on the ground and, and there is no alternative than to work with governments and to work with producers and um, in, in some regions we do see impact of these corporations in, in Southeast Asia, in, in Malaysia uh, and, and Indonesia over the last 5-6 uh, years deforestation has gone down uh, by something like 70%. Because of a good cooperation between the private sector, the governments, uh, and also NGOs working on the ground. So it is possible, but that does require a well managed cooperation, and that can be done because in most cases. I want to bring Martin just a second. I want to bring okay. on, but
0: just to, to to conclude on this this particular point. Uh, what does well managed cooperation look like? What does you know beyond the policy statements, beyond the uh, the stakeholder briefings? When it gets down to it, you talk about seventy percent reduction in deforestation. That's that's huge. What makes that work?
3: No, thanks for the question, but maybe I'm going to be back on what Herd was mentioning, because I think it's a very important point on the voluntary partnership agreements. I think uh, without forest and producer partnerships, I mean, we won't be able to succeed. And I think indeed, I mean, if those partnerships were helpful to to address um, some major challenges because they were basically building on the underlying problems. That's really what we should be um, building on, basically. Uh, but then to come back to your to your point, um, yes, indeed. I think building bridges with producers and on the economic factors, et cetera, can take place in many, in many different ways, right? And so there are initiatives on the ground by individual companies that are happening nowadays, but not every company maybe has the possibility to do so. Um, and so I think there are also partnerships that include individual companies, with farmers, with uh, with civil society, with governments, where they are really co-creating like good agriculture practices, and they're putting those in place, maybe at an individual farm level, but also in, in bigger landscapes and jurisdictions, and I think that's what we really need to aim to write, is more like, how are we going to be able to build on what's already happening in origin that maybe then um, is uh, is, uh, is promoted via means of a verification or a certification, um, uh, let's say, um, a, a program uh, to see how can we incorporate this into maybe what is coming through EU legislation so that we don't lose that power of, you know, the advances that have been made um, on the economic level. And I think building then as well on, on a point earlier mentioned, um, it's going to be probably very important as well to look into how do we give those um, financial incentives to, to farmers and farmers' communities, right? What are those innovative ways in which we can, we can um, reward um, changing of practices of the ground from farmers uh, in, the, in, the, in the aim to get more sustainable supply chains?
0: Carla, you know, if uh, deforestation was a country, it would be the third largest uh, polluter uh, emitter of uh, CO two in the world, after the United States and China. You know, how how do we fund from the Green Deal approach? How do we fund uh, this kind of transformation which is necessary? How do we uh, what are the budget lines in the Green Deal to help uh, achieve transformation outside of Europe, working with producer countries and other partners?
1: Allow me to say that uh... Clearly, the work that we are engaged to do it's country by country. Uh, I think that we have uh, we we can see some problematic by key sector. You know, if we take about cocoa, it's clear that we wa- we are uh, clearly working with Ghana, with every Coast, with Cameroon, the biggest producer uh, of of cocoa. But looking uh, now into the matter, the clear idea is that we work in the next seven years with all the big countries or regions that uh, have an impact on deforestation. And the instrument that the Commissioner just mentioned, of course, uh, will be this mix of, of, of a policy instrument that we will have. And one will be clearly this EU forest partnership. So the idea is clearly, working in agreement with partner countries. I think that I absolutely agree with all the other speakers in saying dialogue, dialogue with the countries, dialogue with the public sector in the countries, but also the producer, but also the civil society will be an important element. But dialogue have to be there. So with this forest partnership, we will try to Put in place a common vision for for forests, a common vision to tackle deforestation, and we will have to 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 build, uh, take into account the different perspectives coming from the impact on climate change, on biodiversity, on growth and the jobs, on the on the impact of the producer that we we just mentioning, and also on the right of local communities, because we know also that the local communities uh, have rights and and are essential also to to build and to fight against uh, deforestation. So uh, it uh, it will be really a mix of measures and a strong dialogue that will take place country by country and the region by region.
0: Let's take Over one to, country, not to to isolate Brazil, but uh, you, dialogue doesn't seem to be working with President Bolsonaro. His uh, official policy seems to be with the forest: burn, baby, burn. Because nothing which is said was working. He's a, his his uh, voter base supports deforestation. His, the smallholders in Brazil are encouraged to, to continue to destroy the, the forest, largely by burning, and uh, nothing seems to be changing there. How do we work with uh, belligerent countries? I'm not asking you, I know you can't speak uh, directly about uh, Brazil in this regard necessarily, but how do we work with belligerent countries who simply won't listen? Carla.
1: About Brazil, that's why we we are moving with this mix of instruments between the mandatory and the non-mandatory. Of course, now the mandatory uh, legislation will be there, so there will be a clearly impact on on imports from um, um, commodities that will not respect these these rules. But it's it's not just the mandatory approach, it's also the dialogue and the the accompanying measures that would like to put in place to facilitate the role of these these partner countries that will work on, on this so clearly the mandate the legislative um, the due diligence will be there the mandatory approach will be there so commodities that will not be in conformity with the new legislation will not be uh, possible to import in europe but uh, this will be the case for some countries and, of course, with many other countries, With uh, we suppose and we hope with all the accompanying measures that we want to put in place with the producer, with the governance, uh, with the certification process, with the monitoring process that we will put in place, we hope to be able to support the countries to to face and to be in conformity with uh, the new legislation So, without avoiding a big impact on, the, on imports.
0: Thank you. Uh, to our audience, please send in your questions. We're going to uh, turn your questions over to uh, the panel in just a few minutes. Uh, let's go back to, to Marta uh, on this as well. You, you work for Cargill, which is, is a massive uh, company uh, with a huge global footprint as well. Uh, you, you, in terms of innovation, what role does innovation uh, play in your strategic view of how to manage deforestation?
3: I'm mute uh, no thank you thank you very much for the question and i think i mean the role of innovation is indeed critical and as i was mentioning earlier is really how we built on on innovations in the area of uh, geospatial or satellite monitoring to help verify really land-use So that's really what we're concentrating on. And and I think maybe, I mean, since you mentioned Cargill, so yes, as Cargill, we're putting as well uh, our innovative hats, I mean, on to see, okay, how can we find new solutions, not just from the company, but from the wider community? So in 2020, we funded uh, or we launched a land innovation fund. Um, which is really helping. I mean, we, we put, I think, something around the 30 million mark, which is administered by another company, Chemonics International, and is really looking into what are those kind of projects that can come in place. I mean, both working with governments, but at farmers level and also in terms of uh, of other partners in the supply chain to really come with uh, innovative solutions. And when I say that, I mean, it's, it's really more from... Um, really programs that are going to help farmers adopt more sustainable practices, um, helping with the know-how on new technologies or, or, um, for instance, with local governments, really helping on finding new fiscal measures that they can apply. And and not only with, uh, again, at national level, but it's really very important, as I think we've heard um, earlier, how we work at different levels of jurisdictions, right? How we we work with the regional level and with the local level as well in, uh, in finding these solutions.
0: Thank you. How do you see innovation in this uh, pitch as well? Is, is it something that's it's a, it's on your policy statement or is it something which is just wishful thinking when it comes to dealing with small uh, producers?
2: No, it's it's definitely not wishful thinking and I think it also gives possibilities in countries like Brazil to find solutions. Uh, Solidaridad is working in Brazil with farmers uh, in livestock and soy. Uh, also with support of the Land Innovation Fund that Marta mentioned, but working with farmers to uh, create business models uh, for farmers to uh, uh, expand their production without deforesting. And that does require, uh, indeed, innovative approaches, uh, integration of of soy farming with livestock farming, using new technologies. and so there is a lot possible and and i think that can also help in a country like brazil because i think it's important to realize that uh, it is difficult to work with the 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 federal government in brazil at the moment but brazil is huge and and there are a lot of farmers that really uh, are eager to find solutions to work without deforestation and and the role for the private sector there will be larger possibly than in other countries but a lot can be done, uh, um, and it's not always necessary to work with the federal government. Uh, there are state governments in Brazil that are really eager to reduce deforestation in their states. So, as ev- also in a country like Brazil, a lot can be done, but it does require cooperation and uh, working together on the ground. Yeah, just to
0: follow on that, you, if you take Brazil, for example, these smallhold farmers. Uh, they the, the income differential is, is really the, the, the point here, and it's a price point. So if innovation can help uh, increase their margin at different ends uh, of of the supply chain as well, uh, is that something that, that we need to support? That we need to look at? For example, digital technology. Uh, Carlos Noda, I'm going to come to Carlos on this in just a second. So it's it's uh, do, do you see evidence of this in your own work with these producers that you know if you if you speed up the supply chain, if you make the certification process less burdensome, things like that, they help with uh, the the profit margin and that incentivizes uh, the small uh, producers to to get on board and to do the the job properly.
2: Absolutely, and and we see this in Brazil where we, uh, in the Amazon area, work with small farmers that combine production of cocoa uh, and and livestock where more intensive production, so Uh, getting more production uh, per hectare uh, and thus requiring less expansion can help farmers to uh, uh, increase their income without uh, cutting down the forest. And in the end, much comes back to the question, how can you make sure that it pays more to let the forest standing than to cut down the forest. And that is about innovation. And that is indeed, uh, it can also be supported by, by digital tools to improve uh, production um, and, and yeah. Do you also, think we need a global uh, cap policy? Compi- no, not a global cap policy. But what can help here is to make sure that the carbon markets that we are creating okay. is not only profiting the large farmers, but uh, can also help to uh, reduce deforestation by smallholders. And, and that's not about uh, uh, massive subsidies, that is about uh, uh, building a system that pays for performance. Excellent. Thank you. Carla, I, they
0: gave you a green deal in, in your job description and they thought that wasn't enough, so they added on digital as well. So how do you see this in terms of, of the innovation model and, and the capacity for digital to impact on, on uh, uh, the, the benefits for, de- for stopping deforestation?
1: Uh, I will answer to you, but uh, allow, allow me to support what Gert just sure. said about Brazil, because you were mentioning Brazil, uh, only mentioning, of course, the government approach, but very uh, support what Gert said, that also in in a country like Brazil, we can do a lot working with uh, the, the small producer and the, and, the, and the civil society that are there. So we need to continue to put our... Uh, Pressure and our work into this. Now about in the the innovation and the, the innovative efforts and the initiative. Allow me to say that of course the digital will be a key element in the development of all this matter. But also the, the all the systems that we are putting in place for the monitoring of deforestation and uh, uh, have a look how we are using, for example, the European Space Agency through Copernicus just to ensure the monitoring of deforestation and the, uh, all the uh, supply chain uh, mapping effort to place uh, uh, of the production uh, into the point of consumption. So uh, clearly, uh, this uh, um, all effort on the digital, all the effort in in identifying the, the data. It's essential, of course. After we come also uh, on the on the objective to making this data data useful for a specific uh, policy purpose. Uh, But innovation will come also uh, at the level of the governance, uh, uh, governance level in our partner countries. I think that there is a lot of uh, innovative approach that we can put in place uh, in working with the local authorities. Allow me once again to take an example of uh, what we are doing with uh, the, the cocoa sector. It's a deepened dialogue, it's a digitalization. Into this, that it's coming on board, but is also all the focus on research, uh, research to identify other ways in uh, producing the cocoa, in a cocoa that could be sustainable. And we are putting uh, a lot of efforts, for example, in the in the in research in the agricultural sector, looking to the agroecology, how uh, production that will move into an agroecology uh, criteria can uh, allow us and can allow the small producer to, to, to have a sustainable product that they can enter into the, the chain. So absolutely, uh, innovation and the innovative approach uh, will continue to be key.
0: Thank you. I think eating less chocolate is not likely to be a popular policy approach. But Marta, over to you. you want to respond there?
3: no it's just building on that okay. because i think indeed and that innovation is probably helping both i think again is is increasing transparency right of, of what companies are doing how they're doing it because i mean thanks to technology we're now able to really see exactly what is happening on the ground exactly really get to levels where where in the past we couldn't uh, so far Right. So that's on the one hand is that increase of transparency that would help as well in the implementation of the due diligence and traceability. And then, on the other hand, innovation, I mean, again, coming back to to those carbon markets that were mentioned. Right. So how are we going to be supporting farmers to find those financial tools that that can help them really um, accelerate progress? Right. And and offer them measures that will offer them uh, concrete incentives for producing differently. So I think there's still probably a lot of work to be done in that area of green bonds, etc. But I think it's, a, it's really a, an area to explore because at the end of the day, if we're really going to move the needle, what we need is to find ways in which we're going to be incentivizing farmers to produce differently as well.
0: Thank you. Let's take some questions uh, now. Uh, first one was from Stan. who said, the Commissioner mentioned individual sectors. Uh, what can the cocoa sector expect when uh, being singled out? I think we've covered some of that. Anybody else want to add any further remarks to that? No. Okay. Another one from uh, Andre Nassar. He asks, how do we deal with the fact that countries have different legislations regarding deforestation? Marta mentioned working in different jurisdictions earlier. Marta, you know, how, how do we work with the, the different uh, legislations and uh, jurisdictions when you're dealing with deforestation? You know, do, do we go with a big stick from Europe and say this is the way it's going to be if you're going to play in our market or do we have to be more flexible? <coughs>
3: Thank you for the question. No, I think there are different levels or layers maybe within that question. I think one of them is indeed what we, we see in Europe is probably different approaches also at country level, maybe, I mean, just not within Europe, but also outside Europe. So it's really looking in how can we have that type of, well, EU or European, but also international approach. So how do we find also ways in which countries and governments can continue having this conversation on a government to government setting and also including at international level? Um, because it is, there is a need to agree exactly on as much as possible on, on having harmonised ways, right, in terms of defining, uh, you know, the, the definitions of deforestation or of forest conversion, etc. So. Finding an agreement at that level, I think, it would go a long way to to helping. And and indeed, I mean, of course, then it's I think is what the commission was also mentioning. This needs to be done in partnership with producing countries and also with other consuming governments. So at the end of the day, I think even you know opportunities like uh, the COP twenty six and the Biodiversity uh, Convention meeting, I think they are great opportunities as well for that uh, international level discussion on on uh, on uh, on the problem of of, of forest protection.
0: Okay, Hurt, on the same element, you know, is the push element stronger or the pull element stronger in the sense that, you know, if you want to play in our market, which is huge for most suppliers, um, you need to uh, come in on our, on our terms. Is that sufficient incentive for people to get their act together
2: when it comes to deforestation? Well, in, in the long term, um, you will need um, business models for farmers uh, that gives them a future Um, and possibilities to uh, increase production uh, or an income without deforesting. So that is in the end, what needs to be the basis. Farmers need to have an income and and if they can't earn an income, they will find ways. Um, um, So in the end, that's where it's all about. And then also coming back to Andre Nassar's question, uh, yeah, it will be a combination uh, uh, of of government measures also locally uh, and and uh, um, stimulating measures from the supply chain and, and a country like Brazil has a fairly well uh, developed environmental uh, policy. what um, what needs to be done is to bring that uh, t- together into uh, a really um, uh, scheme of uh, working scheme of things that, does stimulate farmers to expand without uh, cutting down the forest, um, and that can be done. Let me, let me uh, go to Carl on this just to follow on something the Commissioner said. You know, he said
0: the previous uh, uh, legislation, this it was very difficult to enforce. Uh, and uh, you know, from from other experiences that we have with the Green Deal as well, how do we, yeah, just following off from what Hertz said, how do we get enforcement? Uh, done properly. So if if Brazil has good framework there, but it's not uh, been applied rigorously, how how do we in Europe uh, enforce this process?
1: Brian, if you allow me, I would like just to, to, to say something on the, on the previous comment that uh, that Marta and the Gert were sure. just working on this, because uh, you were mentioning about our role with at the international level, and allow me really to, to support what was said, that we need to continue to work at the international level about this legislation with other countries, because uh, uh, you know, uh, we must be aware that the European Union markets will have a limited impact on stopping deforestation. So we really need to continue to work with all other major consumer countries and to steer also the the process, to steer the the, the fact that also other consumer countries adopt mandatory measures to stop imported deforestation. I think we have work on into this for example in the context of the FLEGT action plan. And But really, we need to continue to work with US, Japan, Australia, Korea, and also with China, um, because it will be really very, very important that we have, I would say, a Common approach uh, into this subject uh, at the international level. So we will continue to to work into this with also our partner countries, not just uh, at the EU level. Um, now, on on your question of of course, uh, we say uh, everything that it's about uh, uh, the legislative process uh, will need will require time to to be implemented. And uh, we will have to put all the efforts uh, in into this. We know we, I think that the Commissioner clearly mentioned our experience on the voluntary um, partnership uh, agreement on the, the VPA. Uh, I know that, uh, and also Gert I think I mentioned this, that uh, uh, it Will be very important to continue continue the work that was done. Of course, it was not enough. I think that we all agree that it was not enough. But uh, we have succeeded, in any case, to improve uh, in many countries uh, the, the governance. And uh, with the dialogue in many countries, we have succeeded to have a first step. Not everything that we would uh, we were supposed to have. So uh, any legislation will take time and uh, and. Uh, Will take a lot of efforts from all the all the level, and we will need to be engaged into this. And this is the reason why we, uh, together with once again, this mix of instrument, we would like to accompany uh, this uh, um, EU diligence legislation with an strategic. Partnership, uh, putting place some measures that will allow to facilitate the implementation of the the, the new legislative process.
0: Carla, just on the international side as well. Tomorrow morning, actually, I'm leading a program here on the, the the capacity for United States, Europe, and China to work together uh, to to and uh, to to speed up the climate change uh, process uh, as well. Uh, Do you you see that the international partnerships, do do we need everybody on board? Do we need COP26 uh, uh, to deliver here? Or do we need strong strategic partners like United States and uh, to some degree uh, China as well to to get this done more quickly? As you say, it takes time. Can these processes with uh, key players speed up the process without a full international agreement? What do you think?
1: Of course, of course, yes. You you, you said, that we needed to to start with the 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 big players okay. and and to build on this.
0: Here's a question here from Julia Christian. I don't know how accurate this is, but I try to check it on. on maybe you you're able to clarify. How does the European Commission explain that nearly none of the major producer countries are included in the list for forest partnerships? I assume it's the voluntary uh,
2: partnerships. Do you know if that's accurate? Well, if it's coming from Julia, I guess it's accurate, um, <laughs> knowing her. Um, well, what the Commissioner said is that the, the, the one voluntary uh, partnership agreement that has really been uh, effective has been the one with uh, Indonesia. And I think that is the case. Um, and and yeah, I think that does require really looking into the design of these partnerships and to see what we can learn from what went wrong and do it in a better way. Thank you.
0: Um, We have a couple more questions here. Just let me check. And any direct payments? Somebody anonymous says, are direct payments to countries for nature protection, rather than to the forestry sector, not a more efficient approach? Marta, any opinion on that?
3: I think that's for HERT maybe.
2: (laughs) HERT?
0: trying to spread the response well, a little
2: bit. I, 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 <laughs> no, I, I think it can be a, a combination of the two. And what is crucial in the end is that both countries and farmers feel stimulated when they reduce deforestation. And then coming back to Brazil again, Brazil has shown in the past uh, that it is definitely able to reduce deforestation in a, in, in a dramatic way. Um, what I think what went wrong is that Brazil in the past did not feel appreciated and did not really have the idea that the international community was rewarding them for, for what was being done and I think that needs to be done different both at government level and at farm level and that, and if that's through payment for nature or for carbon, yeah, for me, I think both can be possible. Julia has
0: responded. Thank you, Julia. Uh, she said she meant the forest partnerships, not the VPAs. Uh, Brazil, Indonesia, uh, Ivory Coast and Paraguay are not included. Thank you for clarifying that. And anonymous, it could be different anonymous, we don't know. How can the shift to a circular economy and growing demand for wood be, combi- be combined with halting deforestation? Carla, square that circle how do we how do we uh, get, how do we reduce uh, deforestation while demand is growing with the circular economy thrown in for good measure
1: I think we need to, to cope with both objectives, and the uh, first session will be there, and we need to continue to work on the, into the circular economy, and uh, that 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 will be clear to to reduce the waste, to reduce many many other things. So uh, uh, it's clear that the the we need to have both objectives in our mind and the focusing on both.
0: Thank you. Let's uh, go to our concluding remarks. We're pretty close on time now. Herod, you want to kick off with your, your sign bite
2: to finish? Um, well, what I want to say as final words is that I think Europe can play an important role in reducing deforestation. But that it is crucial that we combine legislation on deforestation um, to clean up our supply chain. Uh, with partnerships uh, with producing countries and invest in smallholder inclusion and if we do that we can both clean up our supply chain and play an important role in reducing global deforestation excellent thank you carla your son bite
1: uh, I, I think that uh, allow me to conclude that we we all know what's needed to 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 be done to to stop deforestation and how to do it, and uh, and we really need to to find a suitable and sustainable solution for for our for forests. I think we can succeed to do that, but really we need to join forces with uh, join forces with all the key actors working on this, coming from the small uh, agriculture to the industry and to the civil society, to the government, so really joint forces and the joint resources.
0: Thank you. Marta, last word.
3: Thank you. Thanks. Um, so, indeed, I mean, just wanted to say our sectors continue very engaged in this sustainability journey. That's the first thing. And I think um, the EU initiative against deforestation, including mandatory due diligence, should also take into consideration the existing engagements that are already there to transform supply chains and really work hand in hand with those to improve production practices. And I think maybe what we mentioned as well is that we need continuous dialogue at government to government level in different settings, whether it is bilateral or multilateral level. And, and put really focus as well on, on green diplomacy so that it can both work on the private sector side and on the, you know, with the civil society and governments that we can, we can all work together to find a solution
0: rights, roles and responsibilities. Thank you to our panel, uh, Samira, Carla, Hertz and Marta. Also thank you to uh, Commissioner Sinkevicius for taking the time uh, to be with us uh, today as well. And uh, thanks to our team here, who you can see, uh, they're right with me, Evie, uh, Simona, Malta, and to our sponsors, Kostrel, Fideol and FIFAC. Thank you to our audience for your participation and your energetic uh, questions today as well. I wish you a good evening. I'm Brian McGuire.